to worship uh, here at Bohelvi. Uh, nice to see a uh, few faces we haven't seen for a while uh, back around the place. You're very welcome and we're glad you've been able to join us uh, for worship this morning. Um, please do stay for a tea and a coffee if you're able to after the service over in the first side hall. It'll be lovely to uh, continue to, to chat uh, with one another after the service is over. If you can afford that time, it'd be great to see you across the way. Just a couple of wee announcements before we begin. Uh, house group meets um, this Thursday online um, and we'll be looking at the next chapter of the book that we've been using at live streams, which is about the charismatic tradition, thinking about the spirit and the spirit's role within the church. So if you haven't done your homework, this is your advance warning to do your homework uh, for Thursday. And then next Sunday, we're beginning the first of a series of services, which are going to be in the third Sunday of the month. Uh, and we're doing all-age worship across uh, in the hall. Uh, it's going to be a more informal service. Um, there'll be lots more maybe kind of interaction and moving around. And I can't wait to see what I'm going to do next Sunday. We've got this week to plan it, uh, but it's going to be different. Uh, and we're hoping that that's going to get some of the younger families uh, back about the place with their kids. So the children will be in for the whole thing too. Uh, so we'd love you to be along at that, be a part of it and enjoy it. Next Sunday, 11 o'clock in the hall, usual time, uh, different place, and hopefully a slightly different fee to bring some of the youngsters back in again. Okay, so love to see you then if you're able to make it. Now we're going to begin our worship this morning in the words of hymn 192, All my hope on God is founded. Let's worship God together.
Let's take a moment to pray together now. Let's pray. Christ of call one and all. Those who follow shall not fall. Father in heaven, thank you for this time and this place in which we can continue to respond to your call upon our lives. Thank you for this church, standing here in this place for long years. We take it for granted sometimes, forgetting that it was planned and built and financed by men and women just like us. People of faith, who recognized their poverty of spirit, saw their need of you, desired change both in their own lives and in the life of the world, and dared to believe in you in times when faith was falling out of fashion. We bless you for this place in which we gather and for all that it means to us. For some a place where we belong and worship, for others the place where they were baptized or married. For still others the place where a loved one was given their final farewells. And for the ways in which you hallow and bless those times, we thank you. And yet, Lord, when you came to us, you spoke not of buildings, but of a kingdom. A kingdom not made of bricks and mortar, slate and stone, but built upon faith and service. A kingdom that points forwards to eternity, but is rooted in the here and now, in the loving actions of those who bear your name. Lord Jesus, your good news, your first declaration to the listening world was that the kingdom of God is at hand, and your words still ring true. Because the kingdom is among us, waiting to be birthed, waiting to be delivered. By your grace, you make us midwives of the kingdom. People who have it within them to grace this world with the blessings of Christ. You call us to make real and understandable the things of God to those who are hurting those who are searching and those who simply don't care at all. Lord, this task is beyond any of us. We lose our nerve and our vision. We grow cold in our service. We find ourselves choked by busyness and by worry. Forgive us, Lord, and draw us once more into your loving presence where the messed up jumble that we call our lives can once again take form and shape gathered around you. And the good news we have to share comes not merely from our heads, but also our hearts. So hear these and all our prayers because we offer them 
in the name of our friend and saviour Jesus Christ and in his name we pray together saying our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our reading this morning is from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 6, and reading verses 17 through to 26. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples he said, blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. Amen. And we'll think about those words in a few moments. But before then, we're going to uh, sing another hymn. And I think it's one that may not be familiar to you. It's called Blessed Are They. It's picking up on the Beatitudes. And I'm going to ask Alan if he'll play that through for us once before we sing.
Let's pray. Father, when we speak of a kingdom, we imply a king. And we thank you that we have, in our own unique and individual ways, woken up to the reality of your kingship and your call upon our lives. So help us today to again hear that call, to hear something in your word that uh, encourages us on the path of discipleship and obedience. And in our living, as we gladly submit to your kingship, may we become ambassadors for that kingdom in all the places where our feet take us. For your glory, we ask these things. The story goes that when the Wright brothers managed to get their prototype plane off the ground in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, one of the first things that they did was to send a telegram to their sister Catherine. And the message said, we have actually flown 120 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. Catherine was so thrilled by this news that she ran down the road to show the telegram to the local newspaper editor and having given it a quick look, he said, oh, that's lovely, the boys will be home for Christmas. Completely missing the 120 feet that they'd flown. It's easy to miss the point if we aren't giving things our full attention and that's especially true when we come to read parts of the Bible that we're familiar with. We tend to switch off because we think we already know what the passage is saying. For instance, you probably thought that you were hearing the Sermon on the Mount this morning, but you weren't. The Sermon on the Mount is in Matthew's Gospel, and what you heard earlier today is called the Sermon on the Plain, and that's what we find in Luke's Gospel. Matthew tells us that Jesus addressed, addressed the crowds from the side of a hill, while Luke tells us that Jesus came down to a level place and addressed the crowds from there. And the Bible experts can't agree whether Matthew and Luke are giving us slightly different versions of the same incident or whether there were two different occasions when Jesus delivered similar sounding material. But whatever the truth of that, the point is the same. Those of us who've been around the church for a long time can be so familiar with these words that they lose a lot of their force. So what I want to do this morning is look briefly at each of the four Beatitudes or blessings that we find in the Sermon on the Plain and try to understand what they're saying to us today. And then I'm going to finish with a true story, which I think pulls them all together very well. Blessed are the poor, says Jesus. And straight away, that turned conventional wisdom on its head. According to the thinking of the day, riches were God's reward for a righteous life. If you lived well, God would bless you with prosperity. And some in the United States of America are still thinking that way 2,000 years later. But Jesus takes delight in bursting that particular bubble. As far as he's concerned, there's a strange blessing in being poor. So how come? What is he actually saying? 
Well, maybe the blessing in being poor is that you don't end up getting caught into the web of wealth and consumption. You don't end up sitting there with plenty and yet wishing your life away because you're always wishing that you had more. Remember Jesus' words, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. You cannot serve both God and money. The materially poor have their struggles, but that's one temptation they don't have. Their money concerns are real. Putting food on the table, keeping their homes dry and warm. It's the comfortably off who are more prone to the deceptions of wealth. The illusion that we always need a bit more than we have in order to be happy. From my reading of the scriptures, it seems to me that it's okay to have money if you're poor in spirit. If you're humble and selfless in how you steward your wealth, holding it lightly and sharing it generously. So maybe we could put this blessing another way. Maybe we could say, blessed are those over whom money has no hold. There's a story I often tell, and I'll use it again today because I think it's a good illustration, and it's about a monk who was visiting a village. This is far away, many years ago. And a man came running up to him and he said, the stone, the stone, give me the stone. And the monk was puzzled. And the man said, look, I had a dream last night. And in my dream, an angel came and he told me that today a monk would come to our village and he would give me a stone that would make me wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. And the monk looked a bit puzzled, but then he, he realized what the guy was talking about and he started digging into his wee haversack and he pulled out this rock. And he said, well, this is, I found this yesterday. I was sleeping in a cave and I went and explored away down in the depths and I, I found this rock. I mean, this must be the one that the angel was talking to you about you can have it if you want and he gave it to the man and it turned out to be the largest uncut diamond this man had ever seen so the man went on his way rejoicing at his newfound wealth but that night as he mused on this and as he tried to get to sleep he just kept turning and turning and he just couldn't settle and eventually he got up with the sun he went to the edge of the village where the monk was sleeping and he woke him up and he handed back the diamond and he said, I want you to give me the inner riches that make it possible for you to give away this stone. <clears throat> Blessed are the poor, says Jesus. Blessed are those over whom money has no hold. And blessed are the hungry. Now again, we need to be careful with this. We're all too familiar with images from the third world of starving families. And that's not what Jesus is talking about here. What he's saying, I think, is blessed are those who recognize their needs. Food is a basic human need. And hunger is the body's way of telling us that it's time to eat something. But it isn't just our bodies that hunger. 
So do our hearts and our souls. We're spiritual creatures as well as physical creatures. We were created to run on God, to be nurtured and nourished by him. But we've developed an appetite for sweeter, more immediate gratification. And if we keep our souls sated on those things, we find ourselves feeling no hunger for God at all. And I think that's where many of the folk in our part of the world are at. They fill up on possessions, entertainment, distractions, experiences, and they end up feeling no need of God in the slightest. And it's only when tragedy or change comes on them suddenly that they realize that they haven't got a way of seeing the world, a vision of the world that can hold things together or make sense of things or be a support to them in those times of crisis. They haven't paid any attention to the deepest needs of their souls. Blessed are those who hunger, says Jesus. Blessed are those who are in touch with the needs of their souls. And blessed are those who weep. Now that's a strange one. But let me try and rephrase that for you. How does this sound? Blessed are those who take things seriously enough to care. That's got a different tone, hasn't it? It's not just about weeping for weeping's sake. It's taking a look at the state that the world's in and being moved almost to tears at how far it is from the kingdom. Every now and again, of course, we're all moved by things that happen the world. None of us will forget the images from Ethiopia back in the 1980s or the horrific sight of 9-11 unfolding before our eyes or the footage of the Boxing Day tsunami in 2004. But our responses to those things emotionally and financially are really just a drop in the ocean. We live in a world where every three seconds somebody dies from preventable starvation or disease where the systems of trade are set up quite deliberately and cynically to keep the rich rich and the poor poor. Do we care about that? We live in a world where 20% of the population are living well beyond what the planet can sustain and the other 80% are trying their best to catch up with us. We live in a world that's going to, to change drastically and probably irreversibly within our lifetime. Do we care about that? Do we care enough to become more responsible users of the world's resources? To take care about what we buy and where we buy it from so that our trade is fair and our stewardship of the earth is wise? I'm convinced that as a lover of people and of his creation, God takes these things seriously. He cares. And so should we, if we're his followers. Blessed are those who take things seriously enough to care. And then finally, the last of these four Beatitudes. Jesus says, Blessed are you when you're hated rejected and insulted because of the Son of Man. 
And those words sound strange to us because we're privileged to live in a country where at present the worst Christians have to suffer is a bit of apathy and scorn. But you can imagine those same words are a profound comfort to Christians living in places where the practice of their faith can lead to persecution and even death. Christians in underground churches, in communist countries, and in some of the more extreme Islamic states. But if I had to rewrite this beatitude for you and me today, I think I'd put it this way. Blessed are those who have the guts to go against the flow. Blessed are you when for good reasons you don't give your children or grandchildren everything they ask for, even though that seems to be what their friends are getting. Blessed are you when you don't buy into the racism or the sexism or the bigotry that you hear in your place of work or in the places where you socialize. Blessed are you when you take a risk and do what others aren't doing by genuinely in engaging with someone who is different from you. Blessed are you when you care more about what God thinks than about what others think. Blessed are those who have the guts to go against the flow. There you have it, the sermon on the plain distilled down to just four blessings. Blessing, blessed are those over whom money has no hold. Blessed are those who recognize their needs. Blessed are those who take things seriously enough to care. And blessed are those who have the guts to go against the flow. Got those? I'll test you later. Now for the story. Tony Campolo is uh, a leading Christian writer and speaker, that's Tony, um, and his wife, whose name has temporarily escaped me, Peggy, Tony and Peggy Campolo. And Tony is a, a wonderfully passionate and funny and dedicated man. Tony's the kind of guy who will get into a crowded lift and will turn and face everybody there as they're just starting to go up and look them all in the eye and then he'll say, well, ladies and gentlemen, I expect you're wondering why I called this meeting. <laughs> He's famous for doing that kind of thing. And the story goes that he was once in Hawaii for a conference. And one evening, he and his wife took a stroll uh, through the town that he was staying in. And they went into a cafe in what proved to be the seedier side of town. And pretty soon it became apparent that most of the young women around them were sex workers. Either coming off shift or getting ready to go on. But being the Campolos, they didn't let that phase them and they started chatting to the folk around them. Beatitude number one Blessed are the poor. The poor matter to God, even if they are working as prostitutes. Now, one of the girls that they were speaking to was called Maria. And she looked a little bit down, so they asked her what was wrong, and she wryly admitted that the next day was her birthday. But she hadn't any special plans, and the Campolos could see that although she was putting a brave face on it, she was hurting. There was nobody in her world to meet that basic human need of being loved and appreciated. The attitude number two, blessed are those who are in touch with their needs. She felt that need. So Tony and Peggy hatched the plan. 
Maria came off shift at three o'clock that morning. So they got in tow with the man who owned the cafe and they planned a party for her with a birthday cake and candles and presents and all the rest. And they paid for it all out of their own pockets. Beatitude number three. Blessed are those who take things seriously enough to care. And of course, as you can imagine, Maria was shell-shocked when she walked into the cafe the next morning to find a pool of streamers and balloons and all her friends gathered there to join in her party. She was moved to, to tears by what the Campolos had organised for her. And as the night wore on, the cafe owner asked Tony the question that he'd been wanting to ask all along. Why did you do this? Why did you do this for this girl that you don't even know? And Tony said, well, I did it because I belong to the church. And the church has taught me that everyone is special to God, no matter who they are. Well, that's not like any church I've ever heard of, said the guy. What kind of church do you belong to? And quick as a flash, Campolo said, I belong to the kind of church that throws birthday parties for sex workers at three o'clock in the morning. No, you don't, said the guy. If that kind of church existed, I would join it. That night, the Campolos went against the flow of what was expected of church people. Beatitude number four. And just look where it got them. These folk who to your eyes or mine would have seemed far from the kingdom were actually knocking on its door by the end of the evening. That is all in the nature of the kingdom that Jesus came to inaugurate it's radical it's a blessing and for those who have the courage to look it's right here under our noses all the time just waiting to be discovered Amen Daphne's going to come now and lead us in our prayers for others Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come to you now with our prayers for others. Jesus said, blessed are the poor. We pray that our leaders have the wisdom and compassion needed to make the right decisions to support the most vulnerable in our society. We pray that their eyes are open to the needs of those facing a daily struggle to feed and clothe their families and of those brought low by unemployment, the burden of debt, or the stress of growing fuel bills. We pray for those further afield, Lord, the victims of war and conflict, which have turned their world upside down, and who rely on the handouts and aid packages negotiated by the wealthy on behalf of the poor and dispossessed. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger, Lord, we pray most fervently that our eyes are open to what we truly need as individuals, a congregation, and a community, so that we may continue to build your kingdom here on earth. And may that kingdom be built on the firm foundation of 
your love working through each one of us. We pray for our minister Paul and his family and the office bearers who work here in Belhelvy for our congregation and community. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Lord, break our hearts with what breaks your heart. We pray for those mourning the loss of loved ones, of health and strength, or hopes and dreams. May they draw strength from your tender mercy as you wipe away their tears. We pray for all those who care, Lord, for those who use their gifts to tend to the sick and dying with skill and compassion, the carers who visit our elderly and infirm with a smile and a cheery word each day, the kind folks who take the time to spend with a neighbour they know needs a visit, the young folk who collect for a food bank willingly and with a smile. For many it is a calling, but we ask for your blessing on them all, Lord, and that they would know how much each act of kindness is appreciated. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted. We pray for all those who seek to make our world near and far a better place. We pray for those who lead the struggle against injustice, inequality and unfairness that permeate our communities and our world. Sustain and strengthen them, Lord, as they battle against the odds. Closer to home, we pray for the bravery of young people who speak out about teasing and bullying, for those who for the right reasons speak out but are mocked for stating what is unpopular but true, and all those who do the right thing in the face of great opposition, ignorance and ingrained prejudice. Father in heaven, Jesus said we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. As we come to you with these and all our prayers for others, we ask that we may find the seeds of your kingdom within us, and free from slavery to the opinion of others, we may go forward, boldly proclaiming through word and deed the good news of your love and share our blessings with others. All this we ask in Jesus' name, with deep, abiding, unshakable joy, rooted in the assurance of your blessing, now and forever. Amen. Thank you, Daphne. We close our worship this morning in the words of uh, hymn number 500, Lord of Creation, to you be all praise. <coughs>
And now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore.